0: Plus, I think it looks cool. (laughs) Did you start the show? Yes. Talking over the intro. Talking over the intro, John. Do what I want. This is the show. (laughs) We all know about this show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm surprised we're able to meet with all this um, coronavirus. Everyone's supposed to stay home, John. Stay home. That's true. That would be nice, except I work from home anyway, so. Right. And it's here in Frisco, as we just discussed. Yeah. Three, three people. Yeah. And I just went to a pogo place for lunch, so I'm screwed. Yeah. Well, I guess they've got these people under quarantine. So. That's good. Let it run its course. Yeah. Do you, ha- you get flu shots? I do when I think about it. Okay, you did not this year. They <laughs> do have a flu shot, so at least I can't get coronavirus and the flu at the same time. Unless it's one of those years where the flu shot doesn't work.
1: I'm the only one that didn't get a flu shot this year, so I'm relying on my family and those around me to keep me healthy. You were lying on the what's it the herd immunity?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. I just I get three shots a week. <laughs> I don't want to add another one to it, but
0: no, that shouldn't be an excuse. So since we're, no, since we just started talking about coronavirus, um, I thought we'd uh, just talk briefly about what's happening so far. So it looks like Italy is completely shut down. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can get in or out, and and they've also made any public gatherings have been are now illegal. And you can only travel f- For emergencies Even church services Are prohibited Wow And I was talking to a guy In the break room That uh-huh. um Does a lot of business With Germ- Germany And so they're That none of their customers Will even Let them come in With these German products Because they're I guess Germany's I don't know what their numbers are But I think they're kind of Shut down now too uh, oh. Ireland Canceled all St. Patrick's Day parades That's sad Oh no Where are we going to get Our green beer from <laughs> Or or your Guinness, if you actually like decent beer. Um and then, man, I, I saw what was it? I think it was ZDNet had a a list of all well, like a I don't know if it was all, but like they were, had a running list of like, I guess, all these different conferences that were oh, yeah. cancelled. And the list was massive, but I thought I'd just call it a few. Um and it's across, you know, it's, it's tech conferences, it's various industry conferences, all these music things. But um so today they just announced E3. The electronic, I guess it's a gaming conference, right? Electronic something. Yeah, but that's been on a dial.
1: This is one of those examples, in my opinion, of they're using this as an excuse because it's,
0: a lot of these things have been mismanaged (laughs) and they've they're right. basically using this as a way yeah, out. Yeah, we can talk about that. Um, so GDC was the gaming developer conference. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, That was announced uh, about a week ago. They were canceling that. South by Southwest, that's really painful. I've talked to, or I've heard of several people just saying how much that was. I mean, I guess there are whole companies and businesses that yeah. just thrive just because of South by Southwest. Well, yeah. And they're talking about, I think, I don't know, some some hundred number of millions of dollars that they are going to be lost because of, that's been canceled. Uh, I'd never heard of the Tucson Festival of Books, but apparently it's a thing, and about a hundred thousand people go to it, and it's canceled. Of books? You know, he, Tucson Festival of Books. Oh no, I haven't heard mm-hmm. of that. Uh, Coachella canceled Google I/O. Oh, so sorry about Coachella. Yeah, <laughs> it's big though. I mean, it's yeah, know, it's big. But Facebook F8 or what? Wh- wh- what are people going to put on their Instagram now? I know exactly. Well, I wouldn't know because I don't do Instagram, and apparently I don't do MVP email either. <laughs> Well, <laughs> it's a, a little, whole other thing, but or TikTok—that's that's the one we had. TikTok, yeah, I don't yeah, do that. We're no. too old for that one. Nope. um let's see. Facebook F eight? Did I say that running, or or is it fate? Yeah, you haven't said that one, but yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, of course, is it was it Southeast Dreamin? That I know a lot of these got canceled, but what's the one that Chrissy runs, helps run? I think it's Southeast Dreamin, right? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Adobe Summit I saw it today got canceled. I'm guessing. WWDC will be canceled, but I don't think they've made an announcement. I don't know because what didn't they transition that to be a press only? Nope, it's still. I think they sell five thousand tickets a year. Huh. How do you? By the way, what do you think of that model? Where they just they, I mean, if they allowed if in unlimited ticket sales, they would you know it'd be as big as Dreamforce, but they capped that thing at five thousand tickets, and it's you know of course this crazy lottery. Yeah, to be able to get one. What do you think of that model? Uh, it is what it is, I guess. I. Th- well that's a reflexive statement, but <laughs> it's a non it's a non answer that's like it's like a math proof i mean i I realize it <laughs> <laughs> it's the identity function it is what it is <laughs> well I think because people go to that conference genuinely to
1: learn about the product and the announcements and things like that I think people genuinely go to dreamforce to to network and socialize more so i mean obviously there's Announcements and things like that, but I think the primary thing is socializing. So I I don't
0: think it's a fair comparison. No, maybe not. I just I was just talking about the idea of capping versus growing it as large as you can possibly grow it. Yeah, I I mean, I I would I would say capping it would be
1: is possibly in the future if it gets any bigger. But I I still think that because of its different audience, that capping it too low would kind of
0: be a disservice. So we have dates for Dreamforce, right? It's November again. I don't know, I'm not going. I'm not either. Um, but yeah, I think it's November. Yeah. And I wonder, what well, you think that will be canceled? Or will we be? Yeah, so here's where you have to become Nostradamus. I mean, is this going to be the massive thing that, the you know, we're all scared it's going to be? Or is it going to be what? I just wonder how how lasting
1: it'll be in terms of just changing behavior because when the 9-11 stuff happened and pe- the... Airlines and airports were shut down and people weren't traveling. Companies made do with a lot of virtual stuff, and that continued. And there was a little bit less travel and a little less emphasis on travel because it was kind of proven that yeah, we can still get stuff done by not being in the same room. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this will help. I say help because I kind of like being virtual over having to travel for for business. But
0: well, do you remember when? Uh, so I feel like we had you know kind of a, a slow wave of increase. Um, you know, teleworking or remote working, whatever it's called. Um, but then we had this kind of pendulum swing back. Of, I think it started, or you know, maybe with Yahoo when they made that announcement. They were bas- they they were basically ending all these people who worked from home. They were ending that and making them come into the office. And you know, a lot of other companies kind of followed suit. And they're like, yeah, we like kind of like, you know, warm butts in seats. Um, and, and then, when was that? 10 years ago. Was that 10 years ago? Five years ago? I've been as closer to 10. Yeah. But well, it's, like, it's almost like we, a lot of companies, they just kind of either they forgot how to do remote work or they just weren't comfortable with it. But now we're forced. They're being forced into remote work. Like you've got companies, you know, Google, Facebook, Salesforce, all telling people just stay at home. Well, I wonder if some of that is because
1: how much of the startup culture has kind of propagated through just general business. I mean, even companies that have been around for a long time still like to try to operate and act like startups. And, and a lot of times that requires people to kind of be in the same room and collaborate a lot. Yep. Because there's not, it's not like you get a, a checklist and say, okay, go do your thing and come back and let me know how it goes. It's, you know, it's a very collaborative thing. Um, and sometimes, sometimes video is okay. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's some benefit to being in a room and just mind melding.
0: Yep. Or just brainstorming is the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. There, there's there's certain things for which you know an in, there's really no substitute for being in person. Yeah, but I think it's a small percentage of things, honestly. Oh, I do too. And I but I think that you know a lot of companies have been they've really underestimated the amount of work that can be done effectively remotely. But it you know it takes I think it takes an organization wide approach, and and the, like an entire organization has to buy into, it and they have to make it. They have to institutionalize it. Because if not, what happens is the remote people kind of get left out. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, yep. oh, we forgot to we forgot to dial John in. Yep. You know, you just got left out of a whole you know, important right. meeting, which you probably actually appreciated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, it's funny because it, it's a double-edged sword. Because one, it takes time. I've been working from home for so long, I I've got a good handle on it. But when I first started, I didn't have a good handle on it. It was kind of tough to stay motivated sometimes, or it was tough to kind of even when i was motivated to stop work at a at a decent time cuz you're just always there and it's always there in front of you and you just want to do that one extra that one extra um but the flip side is is when i was starting to go back into the office i was far less productive because there's people just constantly talking to me not not that i didn't enjoy the banter or the you know camaraderie or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. of just talking to someone but it was it was a distraction you know you you'd be there and someone just randomly ask you a question things like that it's but like I said, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, you want those conversations to happen because good things can happen from those. And but on the other side, uh, what's the word? You lose, you lose, uh, you lose your deep work time.
0: Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think that companies. I, I, I just it's interesting how this is forcing us into figuring out how to do remote work again. And think about it. Everyone has at home like at least fifty megabits of internet bandwidth, if not like a gig. Right, um, the remote tools. Have, there's been a you know a lot of investment in remote tools. I mean, you you have um, of course you have the original players, but then you know, kind of had Zoom come in and kind of shake up things. And Zoom's gotten real popular. Of course, you still have Google Hangouts, um, Microsoft mm-hmm. Teams. These things are being widely adopted, and they're they're pretty damn good. I mean, my little company. I mean, we do we do the Zoom thing where I call it like the Brady Bunch screen wheel. Like um, we we'll all get together. You know, you try to get together like once a month or so just for a you know for a nothing specific to talk uh-huh. about meeting just to shoot the shit and everything um and because it we're all so we're all you know our heads are all in squares and most people you know turn the video on i mean we have we kind of have a policy of like we like people to use their video but we don't, you don't have to at least not not all the time you know if there's just a day you want to use video that's fine you know we all have those days that's one of the benefits of working from home you know like there's some days you're just like i just do not feel like you know getting ready today so i'm just gonna sit here in my non-pants <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well I did learn early on cuz that was one of my problems when
1: I first started working from home is I learned that I had to get dressed. I had to have a routine. So I had to I had to get dressed for the day at least. I could I couldn't sit there in my pajamas cuz then it just, I just did not feel like oh, I was working. Oh, men- and mental, men- mentally or psychologically. Yeah. Psychologically, but, uh, yeah. I I mm. learned that I had to get dressed. You had to dress for I, success, John. I well, I didn't. It's not like I would wear a suit and sit down in my office, but I'd get, you know, I'd get my jeans on or whatever, take a shower, that kind
0: of stuff. Well, what about that phase you went through when you were wearing your your tie to work every day and stuff? Oh, I love that. I still, I would love to do that again. I don't know why I just did because you everyone want, because gave me when you- crap about it
1: too. It was such a, it was annoying because I just enjoyed it. I just like doing it. anyone
0: beat you up over it? No, but I got every every day. You know, you don't have to wear <laughs> that. You know, you don't have to wear <laughs> that. Why now, are you so dressed up? Going for a job interview? <laughs> I, heard, I heard a discussion the other day of um, talking about how men, like, I guess this was, you know, back in the 40s or something. But like, you know, men could really dance. I mean, and I don't, and, and I don't mean like. We can dance if we want to. Yeah. But like, you know, like, n- like um, sophisticated, you know, elegant dancing. And now it is like men just men don't do that. No, we do. The, but also the rock away. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but but also you look at you know how men dressed and it's just like, wow, men dressed really well. Yeah. Back in the day. I mean, um and and I don't think it was necessarily like nowadays if you want to dress well like they used to dress well, I mean, you gosh, you're you're looking at I mean just one like outfit with shoes and everything. I mean, that's at least a 1000 bucks. Um but I think it's cuz it's it's kind of it's rare whereas back in the day I mean everyone you know had you know suits, and then like odd blazers and trousers, and uh, you know nice shoes, and 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 just there was a, there was some there was like a style. I mean, men had style that is just gone. It's just gone today. Well, they did,
1: but I I gotta wonder how hot they wore in those things. Man, I mean, I live here in Texas. Don't you? you don't have, you have a... like
0: some wool, some some lightweight wool pants. They are they they're better than blue. I mean, far That's better than blue jeans. Today's modern manufacturing technology. Do you think they had that back then? Yes, they did. They did actually have that. They had lightweight. They had seasonal wools.
1: Okay. this look hot to me. <laughs> I Are do want to be able to wear a fedora, though. That'd be kind of cool.
0: Yeah. yeah without without looking like a hipster, you know. Right. You know, it's or it's got to be like our earlier discussions. You know, it's has got to be ironic nowadays. Yeah. Oh, look at the young girl with gray hair, or the. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even go to the other things. They're, just, they're not. They're not correct. Let's leave it. They're in. not appropriate. Yeah, they're not appropriate. Everything's got to be ironic nowadays. Yeah, uh, isn't that ironic now? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's God. So many riddles. Where how do we get into this? because I, I wasn't finished with our previous conversation. Uh, well, we started talking about people being forced to work from home. Oh yeah, yeah. I just I'm I'm really curious to what this does long term to companies' attitudes on working from home. Yeah, because I mean I'm surprised a lot of these big tech companies they're so it's weird they're kind of anti technology in a way. It's like. Oh, we're a big tech company, but we don't believe in tech's good enough to do remote working. And, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Well, I think because the, the truth of the matter is we have technology, but it still takes people to,
1: to make it work or it still takes people to collaborate and to move it to that next phase of its life. You know, it's, it's not like you can just build something and put it on autopilot. You, you need those kind no, of random bumps
0: in the hallway that, oh, I was thinking about this or what about this yeah. or just. But don't you agree that, like, happens. so we, in my company, again, I'll use that as, as, as an example. I mean, that's almost always over Slack. And we really, I mean, it's weird because I think if you don't, if you haven't worked in that environment before where you're using a communication tool like Slack to do those kinds of things, then um, it's not second nature. But you see other people doing it. But I I do, I mean, we do that all the time. It's, you know, maybe you go, and I always try to like, I even do things where like someone will private message me in Slack and say, hey, what about this on this project? And I'm like, that's yeah. great. Can you mind just like reposting that exact thing into that into that project's channel? Just because I'd want everyone who's involved in that channel to 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 see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to keep unless it's truly something that needs to be private I always try to keep that in one of the, the public channels we have and, but, and that's how we do that kind of thing that that kind of bump in the hall or whatever it's like you learn just to go right to Slack and say hey what about this or you know, I'm looking at this and I have a question or any of that kind of stuff I mean you can still there's ways to do and what I'm saying is like there's for a lot of things yes there's kind of no substitute for in person but I, I, I would argue for the vast majority of at least for the type of work that we do Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get the vast majority of that done just fine with, really without sacrificing much, if anything at all, remotely. That's my argument. Yeah, And it's so much better for the environment. Any of these companies who, who self-congratulate themselves on their environmental stuff, if they're still flying hundreds of these, thousands of millions of people around every year and not letting people work remotely and stuff, then I don't shut it. I don't want to hear it.
1: That's not a bad point either. Yeah.
0: And it's going to save so much money. And, and it, I mean, it, it, it takes the burden off of public infrastructure and, commu- and transportation and everything. Yeah. I need, and, and I need the a, traffic to be better on this tollway out And here. from
1: a family perspective, it is nice to kind of be there when my kids get home and be able to say, how's it going? Go wash your hands, because I'm the, I'm the wash your hands mm-hmm. Nazi.
0: Yep. Um, I have, a, I have a, another question, like, will it get canceled? And this is applicable to us. Um, higher Salesforce's it's higher ed show? no to the to my company oh Salesforce's higher ed summit is next month in April end of April no announcements on that yet well they canceled out of attending
1: a medical conference recently yeah so well I,
0: did the medical conference itself get canceled uh, possibly yeah. but I thought I heard that they were not going to attend but well, me because I think then Salesforce they you saw that press release where they basically don't want any of their employees traveling at this point. Yes. Um, Um, Yeah, so higher ed Summit, no announcement that I've seen on it, which is interesting. um, That's definitely a thing to watch. Um, What else was... Oh, and then Salesforce had an SEC filing. I couldn't find it. I just saw a news article about it. And it's... Okay, so this is where we get to the part where we talk about how... And I'm not necessarily putting Salesforce in this... In this category, but they're, they're they're kind of putting themselves in it, I think. But you know, all of the, all these companies who or organizations who have who've been they've got bad news, you know, in in the hopper that's oh, got it's going to yeah. drop at some point. But they're you know you always try to time things right, whether it's you wait till a Friday, to, you know, the Friday news dump, or you know. You're waiting for some kind, you know, for uh, some currency headwinds. So you can kind of blame it on currency headwinds. You know, if you've got some bad financial stuff. I mean, these companies they always try, to, you know, they, they try to time the announcement of the bad news so they can kind of blame it on that, on something else that's going on in the, you know, in, in the environment. That or do it where there's like a three or four day weekend or something like that. Yeah. Where, oh, that's even better. Yeah. A Friday afternoon about four p.m. Right before a you know a long weekend. That's perfect. Yeah. Everybody knows this. This is like classic, you know, you know, you know politics and whatever. Um, it's just PR management, basically, right. press management. Um, but yes, yeah, Salesforce in their SEC filing, unfortunately, they don't have it up. But they um, they're blaming they're already blaming coronavirus for not being able to get computers to run their data centers, and so they're saying uh, it. Even said talked about you know, uh, cus- we may lose customers over this. We may get you know sued or whatever. This we may have warranty claims. Um, they didn't. I didn't see this term, but um, what? Uh, it's not warranty. What's it in the services um, that we always talk about that you don't get with Salesforce? Support? <laughs> no, <all of> that. <laughs> there's that. Um, serv- Sla service level guarantees oh, okay. or service level yeah. agreements. Sla. You know, we're, they're saying you know, hey, this is all a risk because we can't get computers from China. That's such a weird. <laughs> it's just. It seems premature to already to already release an SEC filing. Just trying to stay ahead of it uh, I know. Well, they're and be g- yeah. as transparent as possible. Exactly. <laughs> oh,
1: goodwill, so all of a sudden the goodwill numbers will come out around this time. <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, well, that's yeah. the, uh, <laughs> I don't want to spend the whole show talking about coronavirus, but that's just, that's all that's in the news. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, it's pretty much dominating that. It's, it's an election year, so you've got that and coronavirus, and it kind of makes you want to just... Unplug and watch some stupid YouTube videos. Yeah, because I'm, I'm done with that stuff.
0: Well, how's how's YouTube going to be able to keep pumping out videos if they can't get computers for their date computers for their data center, John?
1: Oh, they'll be fine. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's my point. They'll
1: just they'll That's just a- pull the server. They'll just pull them off the
0: <laughs> Salesforce <the> Stadia <laughs> <laughs> servers that isn't isn't doing too well right now. Oh, Stadia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're like, eh, we'll just repurpose those for YouTube. Johnny you still listen? Or you know, we, I think I asked you about this a couple weeks ago about the podcast method podcast. <laughs>
1: Yes, a I,
0: yeah, I've got, I've, I think yeah. I've got a new um, episode that's in my to-listen to list, but- um, I'm so behind on podcasts. I heard him say the other day that he, he's changed a lot. He now does- what does he do? He has a higher bit rate, right? No, so he- okay, so he does do a higher bit rate, and I feel like I won on that because he was wrong. He was using too low of a bit rate. Yeah. You can- I mean, when, I, when you can just obviously tell that it's too low of a bit right? just with the human voice, then it's too low. I mean- mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, again, think about it. I mean, everyone's got phones with sixteen or one hundred twenty-eight of storage. That word, whatever. Everyone, but you know, there are some people out there who aren't as privileged as you driving around your new Audi. Audi, John. The definition of homeless in this country usually involves having cable TV or poverty. Anyway, involves you know cable TV, iPhones, things like that. So, it's there are very few people who don't have a podcasting capable phone in the. At least, you know, in this country, in most countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, third world, I can't speak for that, but... i oh, got first world problems, John. That's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, so yeah, he talked about... So he used to be... His whole setup was live. He, he had the expensive, um, the Apollo setup. So the, you know, the multi-channel audio interface that had, you know, the, the loaded with DSPs that could run all the effects real-time and everything. High-end stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. all his high-end stuff. Like, this thing we have is Mm low-end. I can do the basics on this, which is for us is good enough. But he can do all this high-end stuff, real-time, which is great because he was very much into, like, broadcasting live stuff. And they were even doing video on some of the shows. Remember that? Yeah. So he's, like, video switching and everything, camera switching. And now, and I don't listen to any of his podcasts anymore, except for this one, which was on highs for, what, three years or something like that? But he came back, and now he's switched to... He records, so he has just a basic audio interface, like probably like oh no, he actually he has this. What's the original one we had? Um, it's a Sapphire, yeah, Focusrite Sapphire. That's what he uses. It has no DSPs. It's simply a like a raw audio interface, it's and he got uses software. A, he uses Audio Hijack to record. Mm. Not even you know Garage or uh, not GarageBand. What's the higher end GarageBand? Garage no, 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 no. Um, um, uh, Logic something. Logic. Not Logic even Pro. Logic. Not mm-hmm. not Audition. Audio hijack is what he uses because it, that makes it easy. If you got people on Skype or whatever, I mean, audio hijack—you can just, you can, you can literally like hijack any audio stream and do whatever you, got, you know, mm-hmm. send it, send it anywhere else. Which you're, you're just, usually you're just it the wave files or, or some kind of audio files in this case. But yeah, so he's gone to, and he's—it's all um, post-production now. So he just captures uses audio hijack to capture the streams, and then later pulls them into probably I don't know what he uses. I think Logic. To put the podcast together, but so it's, it's weird how he's gone the opposite of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean things things evolve, people's yeah. opinions evolved, people's.
1: Uh, he was pretty pretty adamant about his equipment too. I mean, he was he. I mean, he wasn't like you know you had to use this or anything like that. But he was he was pretty into his tech. Well, he had done
0: you know he had done his research. And I yeah. think tried a lot of stuff. Yeah, and he was a big radio guy. You know, he was just all into you know talk radio and everything. Yeah. So that was definitely his 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 thing, but yeah, I, I still kind of, especially now that I've adjusted our or at least my gain a little bit, so it's sound. I think it's I think this sounds a lot better than what it did before. I don't get as much of that um the airiness or whatever. Mm. But this is a pretty good sound, and it's not it's not as good as what I was getting if I do if I do all the have all the effects in post. Right, because that's I mean I can just get like the best quality of everything: compressors, limiters, you know, noise reduction, all that stuff. But this is still pretty good. And what's great about this, even though I still, uh, we edit, which is not, we really don't edit. We just, I use Audition to um, basically clean it up. Not even clean it up. I mean, there's, we have one track. It's a, it's a stereo track. You're on one, I'm on the other. But it's, it's one track that records and I use it just, I pretty much use Audition as a really overly engineered uh, MP3 exporter (laughs) (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Um, but if I if I need to like I don't know if something happens I need to cut something out or whatever like obviously we can we can edit that but what's because I'm not using much in Audition it exports really fast I remember it used to take like thirty minutes now it's you know oh, yeah. two minutes and it's done yeah. so I still like this setup overall I, I did not plan to talk about this I don't even know why we're talking about I don't know this. you brought it up I just I, I well I, I had a note to just actually tell you about the audio, that he records with Audio Hijack do you ever use Audio Hijack have you, you ever seen it no I had something else for that okay. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. If like, if you really want to, I mean, you can capture what any do stream. I, use for that? And, I don't know. I mean, QuickTime will record. QuickTime no, Player. I, I does. overpaid for my little tools. You know me. Uh, that's you know, Loopback. That's what I use. Oh, that's by the same company, I think. Right? Loopback. I think. Oh, that's, maybe, maybe mine's the pay version. The, no, Audio Hijack is pay. I pay for this. Well, uh, Loopback isn't cheap. Rogue Amoeba is it? Rogue Amoeba. Is that who makes that? Loopback Mac. Oh, there's a new version. Yeah, there's Rogan Mead. I don't have version yeah. 4, do I? Oh, that's a different loopback. Loopback, <laughs> um, there it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Well, let's get onto a community topic. How about that? Hey, uh, real quick, just while we're on podcast stuff, do you listen to the Joe Rogan? You do listen to Joe Rogan, right? I think I used to. I mean,
1: I, I still have it on my feed, but I haven't. Caught up on anything? I usually watched him on YouTube because he'll he'll do the video yeah um, podcast. But it's still got kind of hard to follow because I'm not a big MMA guy. I mean, I don't mind it, but I'm not a big MMA guy. And so if he goes really heavy on MMA, I'm like, okay, I'm checking out.
0: Why is he so into that? Is he a MMA guy himself? Yeah, he's he's one of the announcers.
1: Oh, he's an announcer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was he ever a fighter? Mm, he trains. He? I don't think he's ever been a fighter, but is, he trains. Is he a comedian? Yeah. Okay. He's been a long time comedian, actor, stand up, and then. He got into doing the MMA stuff, and then, of course, the podcast stuff.
0: Okay. I mean, i that's never heard of him until the, until the podcast. But, I mean, his podcast is, oh, yeah, like, is massive. I mean, he makes a ton of money on that yeah. podcast. Yeah. yeah. like, millions. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have that kind of money. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's
0: no money in podcasts. I don't know where he's doing it, but we don't. Uh, I mean, podcasts is, is all about the, I don't even know if it's about 1%, percenters. So it's like the 1% of 1% probably make, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Depends on, depends on what your goal is. I mean, if our, if our goal was to monetize, then we would do things a lot differently. But that's Even fair. then, I don't think we'd have that type of audience. Well, you, so, for the, for the, okay, if you can talk about like Salesforce and like Salesforce developer stuff, that is not a, a big enough space to really, to monetize in a truly effective way. I mean, we could get sponsors. Um, it just wouldn't, it's, I don't think it'd be worth the trouble
1: on either side. It's not a yeah. win.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's a small it's a small audience and this this podcast would be an effective way to reach that audience. I just for we've talked about this before, but I'm just yeah, kind of not interested. It, again, if we wanted to monetize, like there'd be I think there's we'd have to we'd have to change some things. But saying get rid of me. Yeah, yeah, I have to replace you, that'd be step number 1, replace yeah. John. Hire Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure I can afford him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I tell you, my Apple card got compromised. I did tell you that, right? No, I didn't. No. Okay, it was yesterday. I'm walking to dinner, and by the way, it's another example of your one percent problem. By the way. You know. How's that a one percent problem? Everyone's everyone's cards get compromised. Oh, you just got this fancy card that's supposed to protect you from everything and I bet it shut itself off and sent you an oh, like, mobile alert and, and of course it, Apple being Apple, you know, I get this it's this beautiful dialogue on my phone that's like, you know, this <laughs> transaction has was automatically declined. Can you please review it? And then it's like there's like a yes, that was me. No, that was not me. Um and then it immediately opens up um a chat or you know, using mess- iMessage, messenger, whatever it's called nowadays, messages. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 the most official looking. It's got it. It's got a great check mark on it. But also, when you go into it, look at how... you see how the heading changed to dark gray. Yeah, on messages, so you know it's like an apple. official. Yeah, yeah. And this like immediately talked me talked me through it, and and then like okay, yeah, you're good. You you can still use the tap and whatever because I guess that that doesn't even. Here's what I don't understand. I never actually use the card or the number. So I don't know how it, at least at least in a long time. So maybe a long time ago someone got the number, but. um I'll only use, use it to tap. And I, in my understanding is when you tap, like that retailer never sees, not in any way, your the actual credit card number.
1: Hmm.
0: So I'm confused about that. Gas station or anything like that? No, I never use a gas station. I use a different, I have a, use a uh, Amazon card for that. Hmm. But yeah, that, so it immediately it was available again to keep using for, if I wanted to tap to pay or anything like that. And then if you want to know, if you want a new card, you just like, in the wallet app, you just tap a button that says you know, send me a physical card and also there's I have instructions on how to recycle it because it's titanium and they want you to recycle the old card <laughs> I know uh, it seems ridiculous <laughs> just melt it down turn it into a ring for yourself yeah that'd be cool yeah. can you help me with that <laughs> what's the melting temperature of titanium I have no idea how much of it is actually titanium though I, It uh, is it an alloy or yeah. I have no idea Am I a metallurgist? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, John, let's get on to our community topics. <laughs> uh, this one
1: comes from Ray Deller. said we could use his name, so thank you for this that. This is
0: this is Dalla Dalla Ray. Dollar
1: Dollar Ray, yeah. Um, so he asks, what is your opinion as a billable consultant billing time for research into how to do something? Uh, an example is you are staffed to create a simple lightweight web component but have never created one. Maybe it takes two hours of trailheads for a hello world and two hours when you know how to do it. Do you bill four or two or somewhere in the middle? If you decide, uh, hold on, second paragraph. If you decide that you do not bill for research, how do you differentiate between research and smaller API documentation lookup, et cetera? Where is the line?
0: So you're, so you're right, because I didn't know what this question was and you're, that I was going to have an opinion, a strong opinion on it. <laughs> I do. It, it's really simple to me, though. Um, bill for everything. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> all, yeah, <laughs> ABB, always yeah, be billing. Always be billing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's 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 really what you're selling to your client and, and what expectation you've set. If you've put yourself out as a lightning component developer expert, then you shouldn't be spending research time on how to do lightning component basics. We shouldn't be billing for that. You shouldn't be billing for that. Well, first of all, if you told your client you're an expert on that, You shouldn't have to be researching that. But if you are researching that for whatever reason, you shouldn't bill for it. Right. Um, However, I don't care how much of an expert you are. You could be the best in the world at something, but there's still going to be times when you need to go research something, uh, even though it's a topic you're an expert on. Uh, I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, There have been times, there's a kind of a similar situation, or or a, a variation of this, where you know, it's a client I'm working with, and they've hired me because you know I'm a software engineer. And I'm building them, you know, Salesforce thing, a, a Java thing, a database thing. Who knows? Whatever it is, and they've hired me for that. You know, because I have skills for that. Now, if they also say, you know, we, Jeremy, uh, we've really liked working with you. We've got this other thing that we want you to help us with, and let's say it's PHP, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm sorry, but I haven't done PHP in 15 years, so I'm probably not the best person for that. And they say, you know what? That's fine. We don't care. We just because we like working with you and we trust you, we want you to do it. And so what I would say to them is I'm going to say, okay, that's fine. I'm just letting you know that I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to do some catch up i and spend some time catching up and doing some, you know, quote unquote research. I don't know if that's considered research or not, but I'm, you know, it's going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to be slower getting up to speed on this than someone who's, you know, some PHP expert. And then they can say, oh, yeah, that's yeah, fine. We, we totally understand that we know it, but we still want you to do it. Or they can say, oh, you know what? In that case, we'll, we know we've got this other guy who's a PHP person who who can do it for us. So. If you're going to bill for research, it's going to be minimal because you're already an expert in that area, in which case that's, I think, a normal part of providing that service. Or it's something where you've communicated with your client about that it's going to take some research, but either because it's some leading edge area or because you're not an expert on that. And you've told and you've, you know, you've communicated, you've had that conversation with them. Hey, I'm, you know, this is, you know, if you want us to do this, you want me to do this, then, you know, we're going to have to spend, you know, probably this amount of time uh, just getting set up, just getting some basics established. Yeah, and if and if they're fine with that then and a lot of times they are they're like yeah that's fine I mean it would be way more it would cost us way more to tr- go to find some other person who doesn't know our business who we don't know how they work and we don't trust them and they don't trust us it, that'd be way more expensive for us than you just spending you know billing us for 20 hours to go you know learn PHP or something
1: yeah but I think the question is more nuanced than that I, it, I think that explanation I think that explanation works it's a very cut and dry explanation but I think I've kind of struggled with it it in the past too. Salesforce is always releasing new stuff. Lightning came out. Now web components came out. It's all new to everybody, and it just means that it's going to take me longer to do something. And the question becomes, you know, am I charging my clients for my research time because we're doing this new cutting edge thing, or am I meeting them somewhere in the middle? You know, I'm going to estimate. I'm going to pad my hours by three hours because I know I need to do a little research. Um, Or am I saying I'm an expert? I'm supposed to know this. It's on my dime to know this, so I'll take my time, do my research, and then I'll start the clock once I have a better idea of what I'm going to do. And I think that's the the mental kind of struggle of, you know, where is the line?
0: Again, if, uh, and I I think we have to pick something specific, I mean, let's just take lightning lightning components. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it's relatively new, but some of us have got a lot of experience with lightning components now, some of us may not have any experience with lightning components now. If someone hires you, let's say they hire you because they're like, oh, John, you've got a lot of experience with lightning components, and we, you know, we need some help with lightning components. Sure, I'll do that. Now, that does, does that mean that you're not going to have to go reference an API or keep the API docs of these various things up? No. We all have to keep those up. We all have to look at those constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not going to have to spend the time that I would have to spend just on basics. Right? So you're, yeah. you're always going to, I mean, I guess my point is, there's always going to be some level of I'm not just going to sit down and code. code's so going to flow from my fingers nonstop? And I'm never going to have to open a, a web page to look at the docs for something. That's, yeah. That doesn't happen. And I'm not sure how this
1: works in your world, but do you do, in most of the world that I come from, or that I've been involved in, there's an estimate that you give up front. So someone says, hey, we need this component built, and it needs to do the XYZ. And so, during that estimation process, um, Some of the things that I factor in is, you know, if I'm building it and what's my skill set and my competency level at it, and, you know, if it's someone else's building it, what's their skill set and competency? Because it
0: affects the estimate. If they're not competent, don't have the skill set to do it, you shouldn't, I would never quote, oh, here's a quote, if someone doesn't know what they're doing. That'd be weird. No, it's not like that.
1: It's, you know, you're part of a big consultancy. You're a part of a company that's got, you know, 10 developers, all of varying degrees of skill set, some some have two years of experience on the job. Some have ten years. You well, know. John, it depends. On, are they software developer one or are they software developer two? Oh, they're they're CTAs. Okay, no, <laughs> <laughs> but the, it's what? not like it's not like clients yeah. get a get a different rate for each one of those developers. We're all built at the same rate. I know. I know that sucks to hear, but that's just the way it is. We all a big company will say our yeah, developers are, cost two fifty an hour, and right. that's what you pay per hour. Mm-hmm. And all those developers that are on their team are of varying different skill sets, and right. which means a. Develop one developer might charge you five hours for a trigger, and I might charge you three hours for a trigger. Mm, I mean, even that's in the, I think in the, in the margin this, of error. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, and I think that's the only thing. I'm the only point I'm trying to at least get to or talk about is that you know I think when it comes to estimation, you just want to give yourself some time, give some padding, but also be aware of who's actually going to be doing the work. In my opinion, yeah, I, I mean, think. I, I, if you know that this person's going to be staff on your project and you know their level of skill set, you can say, okay, this is what it's going to take for us to build this because that's what we have available and this is their skill set. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and when I, when I quote things, I like to quote, you know, just like what a competent person or team or whatever, what, what I think it would take. I try to, even, try to even take myself out of the picture, even if I think I might be the person working on it. Yeah. just like, you know, you kind of bill for what the job is worth, what it typically takes to do. I would expect that, like, you know, whether if I get a quote from a plumber or an electrician or, you know, it's kind of a standard, it's kind of a standard price for if you need an, you know, an electrical outlet moved. It's kind of a standard price for it. Yeah. You know, which, and I, some guys I, are faster than others. Some are going to be faster than others. Or the estimate's completely wrong.
1: I saw this video. I was on YouTube, vegging. <laughs> and it was this guy He does, he does all these uh, uh, tech computer, or I'm sorry, gaming builds. And so he decided to try out the Amazon installation service. So he bought a motherboard and a, and a CPU and clicked the the option to have someone come and install it for him, just to kind of see what that experience was like. They estimated eighty one dollars, but whenever he called the company that actually was going to come out to do the install, they asked him what was they asked him all the details and everything, and it turns out it was twice as much. It was you know above two hundred dollars, where the Amazon estimate was eighty. And he did the whole support thing and called Amazon, and Amazon called all the local people who said, yeah, that 80 is not a fair number. It should be, you know, at minimum this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, the estimates sometimes are just wrong.
0: Yeah, that's true. And estimating is hard, especially, I mean, uh, this, this question, and you're t- taking it to different areas. There's a lot of areas you can take it. You can take it to, what do you do about 10x developers? Do they even exist? Do, you know, do you, have to, do you have to charge ten? You know, 10 times less? for your 10x developer services because they're so much more productive. Um and then you get there, you know, you get into different, you know, regional variations in quotes. I mean, look at what it costs to get, you know, like the variations of what like an, a typical like a MRI would cost from hospital to hospital, from city to city. It varies so much. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. I probably took the conversation to the I I took
1: it down a wrong path by including in the estimate estimation and the in the kind of skill set. I think I think in general, my opinion on it is that is that I would give myself the time to do some, the, re- the reasonable amount of time to do that work. I would understand what, what needs to happen and I would give myself a reasonable amount of time to do it. I, I definitely wouldn't charge customers for me having to learn a new technology or to cover the basics.
0: Um, you know, the only reason, my, my only asterisk on that one is if they're like, no, we, we know that you don't know PHP, that's fine. You know, if that's going to take you, a, if you're saying you need a couple, you know, it's going to take you a couple weeks longer than normally would, That we're fine with that. Go, please, we want you to do it. Sure. As, as long as they know, you know, they know what they're getting and you guys have agreed that that's where you're at and it's gonna, you're going to you know, spend you know, a certain amount of time on, on learning, then I think that's fine. That, that's, I've been in that situation before. Yeah. But I think the, the
1: flip side to it is, is oftentimes when you don't really understand a technology that you're working with or it's something new, it's not so much the time it took you to build it, it's the time it takes to troubleshoot it after the fact. Um, just trying to figure out why it went wrong or what, what you missed or what you didn't understand that you implemented. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and, and then, and then it gets into just judgment on is, are, are you getting yourself o- in over your head? Right. Like, I mean, if it's, if it's a, something that you, that's not that big of a deal, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like I've never worked with that JavaScript library before. It may, I mean, if you know JavaScript, well, and you've worked with a lot of other libraries, like it's probably not that big of a deal just for you to learn learn another library. But if they're like, oh, you know, you're a web developer, and we want we, you know, we love your web development skills, but um, we also, um, you know, run um, an embedded operating system on these things that run on you know military airplanes. Can you work on that for us? It's like, mm, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just uh, a bridge too far. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's some common sense there. I think don't 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 bite off more than if you can not already see the light at the end of the tunnel. You probably shouldn't accept the deal. Fair enough. That was a good question. Thanks, Ray.
1: Yeah, Jeremy likes those questions where you can rant. <laughs> yeah, that's why they stick a microphone in front of my face, John. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Oh yeah. right? Yep. Uh, we had an interesting uh, question on Slack, and I thought it was it, it was it was something that it's new. This whole, uh, as you guys know, I, I kind of have a hobby of kind of keeping up with design trends because I just I like good UI. I like to use good UI, and I like to pretend that I can build good good UI. <laughs> I don't always succeed, but um, I like to pretend it. Um, so, so yeah, I was kind of turned in turned on to this uh, new morphism, which is kind of a skew morphic design. Um, but it's it's almost like you have this rubbery skin over your interface. Kind of think think a a keyboard that's water resistant, and you've got that rubbery skin, and you can press it. Um, that kind of became a thing. I think I got. I think I saw some videos on it back in either late December, or early January on it. And of course I was, I'm on dribble. So I'm, I'm seeing those interfaces pop up. Um, I think it's interesting, but not my cup of tea, but I think I understand why it's coming out and why it's becoming popular. And that is because it works really well with light and dark, um, schemes or themes, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the, the, the kind of design, especially like material, where you have this kind of paper interface that's floating, mm-hmm. and you've got these drop shadows, that doesn't translate well to dark UI. Mm-hmm. You, j- you, lose either, you either lose all depth, or it, it basically that's what it is. You lose yeah. all the depth that it was intending to try because to create. Because what does create. a shadow look like on a completely black background? Right.
0: It doesn't look like much of a shadow. And so
1: that's why I believe that this trend started becoming more popular, because we're all using phones that now have dark modes. Mm. And mm. it interesting. It, theory. it allows you to still have the somewhat of the same design principles, but be able to work equally well both in light and dark modes. It makes it look like your UI is waterproof. It does, <laughs> <laughs> but it has this. The reason I don't like it because I do like it for the fact that it do, does do well in both environments. What I don't like about it is it reminds me of when I was first getting into software development, and it was back in like the Windows three three dot something era. <laughs> <laughs> and you had the chiseled UI and everything was kind of chiseled. Yep, so you had yep. that really dark line with that white line to mm-hmm. make it look like it was etched. Yeah. And all your list views were like really inset. Like they were like just uh, chiseled yeah. out of the interface. Yeah. And you had a very blocky interface. Everything was blocky. And if you weren't careful about your spacing, it looked really bad. And I feel like this tends to lean that way because everything is so well-defined with these hard, not really hard, but really light edges that are really well-defined. with well, maybe a little bit of... of Shadow on the edge of it, or glow at the edge
0: of it. I feel like it really makes the interfaces very etchy. Yeah, I ran across this last week, maybe I, it came across on some feed of something I read. Either that or you told me about it? I'm not sure. <clears throat> did you tell me about this before? I think I just saw no, it. I don't think I did. But um, and I and I saw some article where they um kind of outlined the it's pretty basic, but the CSS techniques to to achieve the yeah. the look. Um, but yeah, I mean everything. You know, I think with all these things, spacing is to me like probably the most critical thing that that i that is gonna i'm gonna notice when it's wrong, and it's gonna bother me yeah, I mean, I'm a stickler when it comes to spacing well, you got to have the right spacing. I think spacing is everything. The problem is
1: is when you're you have a lot of content and you're trying to squeeze that in and you have a you have a certain amount of spacing you're trying to maintain it just it doesn't lend itself well,
0: yeah. It feels like also, I mean, our interface is still getting like I don't know what you call it, fatter or like bl- bigger. Or I feel like nowadays it's and I know that's I know it looks good on dribble screenshots and things, but right. these these UIs and well, lightning had this problem where they made everything. But what's the word for it? Um, it's just space inefficient. Just everything's big. It has everything repels everything. You know, lots of space between all these things and yeah. big type. You know.
1: Well, they still have that, but now they have. If you look at your menu, you can go to compact mode, and it right. removes some of that spacing. Yeah, and they, from a design right. principle, I get it. Like, mm. if you're a designer, you're a user interface designer, you come into it, almost, not with a bias, but with a kind of a perspective like that, where you're like, it needs to have spacing. It, you know, all these diff- different principles that you learned in art class and things like that. You know, it's got to have this, this, and this, and you implement that, and then you put it into a real application where people are really using it, and and it's funny because even though it looks great and it's great, it's easy on your eyes and it's perfect for what you need to do. You'll have those people and quite a bit in the Salesforce world where they want it compacted because they want to put more information on the screen. It's, and that was always a yeah. battle with me with clients. Whenever we design a custom UI and I'm trying to minimize how much information is on the screen and they're wanting to put more and they're like, no, they have to see this and they have to see this and they have to see this. I'm like, well, everything's lost in here. What am I supposed to focus on? Well, it just has to be on there. It yeah. has to. Uh,
0: that, that's it comes from a position of fear usually actually that their fear that they're not going to be able to get to what they want or they're going to lose something yeah and just because they haven't shown that there's a better
1: way well that and i think users are the problem too i think users like to say that oh, it wasn't in front of me i didn't i didn't i didn't see that it didn't warn me i didn't get a big red check mark on the screen that told me this so i didn't see it this is so my- don't blame me for for not
0: uh, completing that activity. It's one of my favorite quotes from you. Users are the problem. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I'd say all the time. Oh, that's okay. I, get, I get to take your words out of context. I like I like users. I like doing good <laughs> stuff for users. Make me out to be the bad guy. Yeah, you are the bad guy. Um, what else? Oh, do you remember the um, the original? And I, I don't know what the new console looks like, but the original like tells the service console. I mean, how dense that was. Yeah. Well, it's still fairly dense. I mean, the people that, you know, it depends on your job. I mean, uh, for people that, I mean, there's a reason why a 747 cockpit is as dense as it is. I mean, you just got to jam a lot of stuff in there. But that's like expert level UI. Whereas, you know, if you've got a consumer website, obviously you don't want expert level UI. You know, you want a few main elements on the screen and you want them sized and positioned and weighted both, both contrast-wise and color and everything else in a way that, You know, people's brains are going to cause them to flow. You usually got one, one, anywhere from one to three things where their brain they're going to see. Their their eyes are going to land on one thing first, Mm -hmm. and then there's a thing they're going to go to next, and then usually there's a third thing, and that's that's usually as much much as you're going to get. Um, But you can with these techniques, and it's kind of psychology. You can really have people's eyeballs follow that that path.
1: Yeah, I I wonder if we've just we've gotten full of ourselves in the design community because. We create these applications that look great on screenshots, like you said. Right. And they're like brochures. It's
0: it's form over function, though.
1: Yeah. And we we like having these charts and these graphs and all these things. But you remember back when people were the most productive? It was when they had a freaking terminal and they would fly through those screens. Yep.
0: Those were still more productive than the we had today. They didn't see everything on the screen. <laughs> they didn't have all these nice little graphics and these little dashboards, but they got stuff done. And now, now people are like holding an iPad, trying to like type something or drag something or whatever. And it's like, oh, this, this yeah. is,
1: <laughs> we've really regressed and in some ways. Clicking save and waiting for the refresh. <laughs> yeah. And why is this in refresh? And and spinners. through, Spinners. and, spinners <laughs> and <laughs> Man, all, we used to have just a blinking cursor on a black and green screen and you could fly through it. And you could even get ahead of the computer. You can type in all your commands and just watch it go. Oh yeah, no. I know
0: that.
1: <laughs> of course, it wasn't all good. I mean, back then, last name fields could only accept one. I had to put squish my name together because oh, the way it parsed yeah. that that field. No spaces allowed. No spaces allowed. Yep.
0: All the tabbing. Um, it's crazy how many. Who was I talking to the other day talking about how all their systems are still on these mainframes and um, yeah, one of these big. I mean, there are there are still several really big IT companies they're basically in the business of they continue to like maintain and upgrade these mainframes yeah and a lot of times it's because they don't they cannot they don't have like they basically don't have the source code or they're afraid to compile it and replace it so what they do is they but they keep upgrading the hardware so the hardware is super modern like these modern like IBM mainframe, mainframes really nice stuff really nice stuff software 40 years old if if not older it's crazy
1: wow that's well, a testament to good software, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so.
0: I mean, you just, you just learn to live with the bugs as they are.
1: <laughs> you know, I I, I kind of live in that world sometimes with with the application I'm working on because it uh, there's a lot of bugs and there's a lot of things that could be working better. But I'm you know I have to unravel and prioritize things, and I can't always get to other things. So it's 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 a bit frustrating. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I kind of feel that way because it, I, to me, it's like really, really bad old code because the inception of the application, which is part of its problem was early lightning. And so a lot of, some of the things they did because lightning was still brand new and changing constantly. And some of the things they did just cause they were dumb, but, <laughs> but it, you know, it's always sitting on this newer hardware, this newer Salesforce version UI and UI and being pushed forward and everything, but it's still, God, it needs to be modernized so
0: bad. Mm. Do you want to touch on what we were talking about earlier with the, <clears throat> you know, depending on the, depending on the project, you know, do you, two questions, really, do you do DX or not? And oh, do you, yeah. do you do, what was the other one? You, oh, that was the, uh, the bigger question to me. Do you do, um. Do you do packages? Was it? No. Oh, what was it? Oh, no. Uh, scratch Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then, 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 then there's the question of packages too, but. You
1: know, you make a, that distinction, but I don't in my head. I wonder why. I, well, between DX and Scratch orgs,
0: to me, it's one. But I know there's, <laughs> you're right, they're separate, but. Well, I do think they're highly you know, correlated in terms of if you're doing package development, Scratch orgs make a lot of sense, kind of. Yes. Whereas if you're doing just enterprise org development, I don't know what else you call it. Is there a better word for that? When I, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's like, yeah, sandboxes just still work so much better. I'm, yeah. But then, so let's say you're going to do that, because my what was my my use case to you was like, hey, you got a, let's say you got a client who, um, really basic org, and hardly any custom development or anything, and like, it, you know, it's, let's just say, even say that people just make changes in production, no big deal, there's nothing to deploy, simple. And then they're like, well, you know what, I mean, actually, we need to do this thing, and you're like, oh, that's going to require a trigger, a simple trigger, but a trigger. It'll mm-hmm. take me, you know, two hours to build you know the question is how do you how do you do that how does john do that and that's I'm like do you john you, would you just, so just pop up so an el- illuminate here let's let's go through the options yeah. you pop it up to illuminate cloud and you just do a you enter the your the username password and token and you pull down the classes and triggers and whatever else the so kind of the default things it pulls down maybe you do a you know a git init just so you capture the baseline you write your little 10 line trigger you You've done this in a sandbox. Let's say you create a sandbox, right, mm-hmm. first. Okay. And then uh, they, they look in sandbox. It's great. And you just, you know, do a quick deploy to production. And so so now you're working with, your, you know, you're not doing DX. You're just doing the normal metadata format. It's quick. It's fast. it got the job done. So that's one option. Another mm-hmm. option is you do the same thing, except you do use DX. So now you're talking about DX source format. You're talking about having to do a hub. What's it called? The dev hub. I can't forget. It's the dev hub, right? Yeah. Okay so many hubs nowadays. I know. (laughs) Um, You have to do the, you have to set up their dev hubs, probably not. And do you use yours or do you use theirs? Yeah, that's. It's true. Yeah. um, Questions. Um, That's another, so that's the other option. And then third option is you do a scratch org with the X. For one trigger. Yeah, exactly. Well, (laughs) (laughs) right. It's like, should I feel feel shame, right, that I still just do the good old sped up sandbox? pull down the basic good old metadata? I don't think so. I
1: don't think so. (laughs) You know, I think option one is probably good to go. I think when you asked me that question, I tried to overthink it like I always do. Because I think about, because some people would even say, why create a project in Illuminate Cloud? Just open up, pop open your developer console and create your trigger
0: there. If the editor wasn't so bad, I would. I just can't deal with the editor. And plus I, I do like, even for the most minor thing, the first thing I do is, a, is I'll pull down like the base, any metadata that I might be changing, I'll pull it all down. What's the, what's the See, default? See, I wouldn't even do that. See, I do. I do. I always, if it was and I'm going to, I'm going to initialize a Git repository. Yeah. That could, I all, it's just, it's habit. I just always do it. Yeah, I I, I get that, but
1: the reality is I probably wouldn't. I, okay. it, I would just open it up, create the project, log into the sandbox, create the trigger, push it up, and be done. Yeah. I, I I, I and- maybe wrongfully so, I feel like it's very low risk I have a local local illuminate cloud I'm sorry IntelliJ has a local you know class file change right so I've always mm-hmm. got my local history unless I yeah. blow that away for some reason. I'm saving it to a sandbox org so the code is in there um worst case that sandbox gets refreshed, but I still have it locally yeah. um ideally i even if I had a git it would be a local git not a not published to my and that's repository. Fine. That's fine. That's even fine too. So it's right. not like I'm abstracting myself from my computer crashing
0: because I would I'd lose everything. No, I'm just yeah, I'm just I'm, I have such strong habits with Git that I always I feel uncomfortable. if as soon as I start coding something and I, if I see that you know I haven't created a Git repository yet or if I'm not working out of one, I'll yeah I'll just drop down Command get init and I'll add everything and with a message of initial commit and then I, I don't know I just always want to know what my baseline is. Yeah. And and then from then on out I also, I just I like I'm, i like to commit frequently just so I I don't know. It, when you're trying to fix a bug or you're you're trying to go back in history and figure out wow, when did that change or whatever? I just, I just I like having that history and with the Git tools, the pickaxe, you can search through commit messages. You can, you can, do you, you can, commit a lot? Um I, I like, like multiple to, times. So I like a to day? commit frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and now I'm I may squash those before I push to if I have, if I am working in a shared repository uh-huh. or I'm pushing up to a repository somewhere else. I might I might do some squashing before I push that up, but like during the day, yes, I commit often because I want to be able to roll back to my own stuff that I might, you know, have. I might want to go back to a previous version or or see something or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then if I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to push these up now because I feel like this is ready enough to share with the rest of the team. I'll look at those commits and say, okay, does are these good or like was that does that just way too much noise and I should just squash those all down with a commit message of implemented feature X Y Z. You know, mm-hmm. is there any value in having? those four commits instead of just one nice succinct commit so i'll I'll do that pretty
1: often so i started out with just one big commit like i would just hold on to the to the version control until i a couple of days later (laughs) would commit yeah um obviously I'm, i'm always trying to get to the point where i have working code but at the same time it's been in my it's been sitting on my computer for so long i start to get nervous so i'll try to get it to a point where i can at least commit it and then commit it but I started recently probably the last two months um, doing far more regular commits because what I found is that I was making so many changes to some of this code that um, there were times I wanted to roll back to something specific and I couldn't find it because I had it in this really, this one liner big, I implemented this module instead of being more specific. Like I changed this property name. Um, so I found that I like to do more, more commits that way. Yeah. more, more. Multi-day, multi commits throughout the day. Okay. Um, plus, my version control chain started getting so big, I had to. I spent an hour trying to write all my messages.
0: And yeah, I And when I when I'm trying to determine what my commit message is going to be, and I'm I'm looking at, I do like a get status or a get diff or whatever. I don't like when I have to scroll through just tons of changes to try to synthesize a, yeah. a nice message for this. I'd yep, rather just exactly. be at least again at least for my local working. You know, I might I might later decide I just want to squash all those. By the way, when you squash, I mean, or if you rebase, I mean, you do. Your, that branch that now no longer shows us, but those, all those objects are still in your, whatever they call the Git cache or whatever, the mm-hmm. store of objects. So they're still there. If you ever needed to go back to those individual commits, they're still there. They'll be there until, I mean, every once in a while, if you have, if your Git repository gets big, and I don't know how this may have changed in more recent versions, I don't know. But over time, um eventually Git repositories will start to clean themselves up, meaning all of the. Objects if they're really old and if they have nothing that refers to them anymore, and there's no branch that refers to them, no tag or anything. They will get they will get purged if mm-hmm. when the repository starts getting huge. But I mean that's I think it only does that if they're number one if the repository is big and needs to be cleaned up and if the and if the the orphaned object is is, is pretty old. Right. So hmm. another thing, another another little Git tip uh, you can do is if you're scared of losing things, you don't have to actually commit as if you just do a git add. As if you were going to commit, you can do the git add and just don't commit. That creates objects in the in the git database. And so, again, worst case scenario, if you're like, "Oh crap, I lost that," but I didn't commit. Ah, oh, but if you did the git add, you just have to go to the store and like look. You know, you have to look them through hashes, but you know, you can look at it by date or whatever. You can find that a hmm. file. That's pretty cool. Yep. But yeah, I don't I
1: don't go through the trouble of doing it. A- Doing getting it. If I was doing that two hour trigger, I'd
0: probably just create the trigger and push it up. Would you Would you use developer console for a two hour trigger? No. So to, and let's be honest. A two hour trigger that's that's probably more than ten lines of code. That's you know you're talking. Let's say it's forty lines of code, and let's say you you have a trigger file and you have a class file and a separate test class file. You, would you use a dev, developer console for that?
1: Mm-mm. Yeah. I've tried. You know, back in the early days of um, lightning component creation, that's where I had to go to do it, and I, I
0: hated it with yeah. a passion we we've we've thrown some some shade at the developer podcast, uh, developer console over over the years but um i I will say it hasn't gotten someone, better. no well it's I, I, you, it's it's yeah. it's it's not they, they haven't did. put any effort into it <laughs> well lately. they did they, when when lightning came out they added you know support for Lightning. it's got a lot yeah, of lightning support stuff support yeah. and They added you know a what? few nodes and said here create this someone i think it, i think it was chuck um Kind of, I, he made some comment. when he's like, "Actually, I, you know, you should use the developer console. I, I use it all the time for these types of things." And
1: well, I do and, use it. I use it for looking okay. at bugs and watching bugs, and I'll use it for sometimes for queries. Um, and what else do I use it for? Oh, execute anonymous. Yeah, sometimes.
0: So, so I'll say, I use it for those things. Um, uh, I will use it for some simple queries. I'm going to do anything more if I'm if it's a project that I've been working on. I probably already have an, an illuminated cloud. In which case, I'll probably just use the. Yeah. Query tool in it. Or I I still use Sockwell Explorer all the time. The thing that um, Simon fell. Oh, I still use that. Yeah, constantly. that's yeah. really good. And you can have multiple windows open that you're logged yep. into and stuff. So that, that's nice. Um, but yeah, I use it for that, you know, what is it? Um, oh, oh, just to inspect an object. I guess all, like if I need to get a list of all its fields real quick or something, you can just do like, is it open or open resource? I can't remember, but you can... Um, Get like a list of all objects or a list of all classes or whatever but yeah you can if you if you need like a list of fields I'll do that oftentimes where I like I'll need I'll need to build some big query or something so or, or no maybe maybe I need to let's say I need to um, I think example just like a list of the fields like say I'm building a, a template for a data map and I just want a list of all the fields for the account object so you can just go to account and uh, yeah I think you'd like double click and then say so again you need the file open and the objects and then you click on account and it lists all the fields and I can I can it lets you like copy all the. You can like highlight all of them. And I can copy those, and I usually paste it into Sublime, or actually you can paste it right into like Google Google Sheets or whatever. Mm-hmm. It usually works, and sometimes. And, but sometimes if I want them comma separated, I'll just paste them into Sublime, and I'll do like I'll replace character terms with a comma and a space or whatever to get a nice like comma separated list of them or whatever. But mm-hmm. I use it for stuff like that all the time, and you know, of course, execute anonymous. But I'm, it's funny how I've, I think it, I think it was pretty sure it was Chuck who, who kind of. Told me to think a little bit differently about the developer console. There's, there's actually, even though it's not a great editor, and you don't want to probably be editing files in it so much. There, there's, there's some other pretty good uses for it.
1: Yeah. What about I mean, the? It, it work works bench? in a
0: pinch, especially when it, when it comes to
1: production. When you're just trying to troubleshoot something in production, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, on well, that too. Or run something in production, or do a query quick, real quick. Yeah. I mean, I can do queries. Most things. I mean, it's like much more convenient to do pop that open and do a query than to go like build a report for it. Which, oh, which, yeah. you know. Although the although there's some admins out there, they swear about their reports so No, not. that's fine too. I mean again, you know, right tool for the job if if that's your skill and if that makes more sense. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if they could especially if it's a multi-joined report thing, probably could whip something up faster than I could in a query. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's the best. I'm just saying it's it's a it's a tool. Right. Anyway. Well what what other topics do we have, John? We're uh oh, probably an hour. Not sure you're gonna say
1: something else. No. Let's see we, uh I don't know. I saw this thing on social media that I thought was interesting, but I don't really want to get into it anymore. No? No. <laughs> it was just some survey. Uh, SurveyMonkey did it, and it talked about some of the percentages on how people use social media, which ones they're using, and how a lot of, lot of people, uh,
0: a lot of the. Yeah, I don't want to get social. I thought it might get you in the mood, John. <laughs> <laughs> really? At the time, I thought
1: it was interesting because it really talked about how the younger generation is dropping off and doing less social media. Um, especially yeah. even, especially min- millennials, cause I think they got burned the hardest by social media just in terms of their careers and, and just the way the public reacts on those things. Um, and so they've kind of used it less, but I think the generation coming up after them is starting to use it more, but I think they're using it more responsibly and thus their usage, their, their perspective on it is a little bit different
0: than, than other things. But I don't know. I see more and more people who, um, who have you know either switch to non smartphones or they just they have nothing on their phone no social media just and and you know it kind of gets back to like everyone really should look at look at the because it's so easy just to neglect them and get used to them but look at your alerts on your phone and like, right now do i need this stupid yelp notification and do i really need email notifications every Probably time i get not. an email I'm like, no it's not because good if that for notification
1: you. is making you pick up your phone while you're driving because I because I see right. you, yep. I'm in traffic and I'm looking at my rearview mirror. And yes, I'm managing you. I'm keeping my my distance. I know that you, I see you on your phone, and I'm doing my best not to brake right. too hard. I can't tell you how many people I've seen just with their nose physically in their phone in bumper to bumper
0: traffic, where you really have to pay attention. I mean, I would I would bet lots of money that far more people are killed from distracted drivers than drunk drivers. Isn't that the case? I mean, I don't yeah. sure those numbers on that, but I'm. Yeah, I mean, I'm way more scared of. A, I'm, I'm like yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking to see are people looking down or are they looking at the road? Are they looking down at something like their phone?
1: And the only reason I, I bring that up as an example is because of, they're on there looking at social media. They're looking for that. And it was, it was almost kind of being referred to as a drug in some aspects because people were um, sure it's a hit. It's yeah, yeah, they got get. that endorphin hit from getting some kind of mm-hmm. feedback from something they posted, and, and you know, being part of the community and 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 all that kind of stuff. But the fact that it, it became such a thing that you it's always on it's always on you if you leave your phone
0: somewhere you feel naked and you're you're freaking out about it yep i mean I don't know. yeah and it, and and it's just again the 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 beeps and the blips and the boops and everything that you're you're constantly getting it's it just takes you away from real life from the people that you're with from the thing that you're doing yeah and it's not making your life any better
1: yeah but i in some ways i'm i'm glad to see that that it's kind of leveling out that maybe this is part of a pendulum swing where it was really extreme and then and then it swung the other way where where it was a stream on people using it then it swung back to maybe a, a pendulum swing of where people are avoiding it at all costs and i hope it comes back to the middle cuz i think the technology's useful i think it's good i think it's 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 a good way to connect with people and to talk and to share things and get news and yeah, all that no. kind of stuff it's just it's about boundaries though it's about right? boundary yeah. it's about balancing it out with yeah. your life and you know it it's just like with anything you can it's there it can be used as a tool and it can be used really great or you can really abuse it and that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping that I'm seeing with this survey is that it's kind of leveling mm-hmm. out towards the middle
0: yeah I hope so too I mean usually we all humans we tend to overmodulate on everything and then it comes back to a balance just like this coronavirus <laughs> yeah <laughs> back to back to that all right well since we, we're back to recycling topics John let's go ahead and wrap this thing up recycling um, we um, we're still sending stickers. You can you're, you're still not too late to get in the famous batch two <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of stickers. I'm probably going to send those out today, um, so you had to be quick. But that's okay. If you don't make it in batch two, you make it in batch three. Um, but yeah, shoot us an email at info at and put stickers in the subject. I'm more than happy to send stickers to you or to your user group or to your what you know. If you live in a different country and you want to help distribute whatever, that's fine. Just uh, send us a note with how many you think you want and where you want them sent. And uh, if you
1: get permission to stick it somewhere, love a picture of it.
0: we still talking about stickers here? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I was, guess always, I could have phrased you, that better. No,
1: but just, <laughs> but that's a good point. You always have to get
0: permission <laughs> nowadays, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, don't just take the sticker and stick it some random place that's called vandalism. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Or, you know, beg for forgiveness, one of the two. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah, if you get permission to stick it somewhere, cool. I mean, pretty much every, like, shady bar nowadays, you know, you, could, you can stick stickers anywhere. Yeah. Or there's like, or there's like that designated couple of areas where everyone puts stickers. Yeah. <laughs> so, bathroom doors are good. Everyone sees them. Anyway, uh, we also accept um, questions at that same email address, info the info at gooddayserpodcast.com uh, Or topic suggestions like uh, Ray sent us today, and feedback, or complaints, we or yeah. reviews. Yeah, that's true. But those have to be done on your uh, platform of choice. Yeah. Uh yeah, five stars. All the stars. The maximum number of stars. That that's the only number we accept. All other all others will be rejected. <laughs> what else, John? Socials. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your you know, your parents and your kids. Subscribe to them without them even knowing. That's the pro tip. Oh well, it's not. And turn the alert on for when the good day serve <laughs> episode comes in. They get all, a, <laughs> it only works if you turn on auto downloads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm, that's fine. Again, we've all got good bandwidth nowadays, John. It's okay. I'm not advocating for that.
1: Okay, well, what would you like to advocate for then, John? For a good day, because I say, good day, sir. Oh, that was lame. Let me say it better. No, okay, whatever. And to that, I say,
0: good (laughs) day, sir. You get nothing, you lose. Good day, sir. I kind of liked the variation there. No, it was lazy. Those guys are great, aren't they great?